0: what's going on everyone this is mitch from respectmyregion.com back with another episode of the north american weed tour podcast where we're looking at the best in legal cannabis across the u.s and beyond today i'm joined by spec out of the michigan market ryan ratzloff of lion labs and we're gonna be talking about the element brand but i know you guys got a couple brands but how you doing today ryan
1: i'm doing awesome how you doing
0: I'm, I'm hanging in there, man, hanging in there where I'm, I'm up in the Seattle area where we're into the into the the gloom today after a 90, 90 degree day yesterday. So I'm feeling just uh, extra at home today. Nice. Um, anyways, I kick off every episode with our guest origin story around the plant. The plant being cannabis is a big thing for me just to help break down the stigma and, and kind of just talk about. About, you know our origins with the thing that brings us all here in the industry we're operating in. So whatever you choose to be vulnerable and sharing, whether that's personal, professional, or both, I'm just curious. Kind of, kind of your origin story with cannabis.
1: Awesome, yeah. So you know my origin story kicks off. I'm sure, like many others, um, started smoking a little bit when I was probably 15, 14, 15, and then loved it. Thought you know made everything funny and. Everything tastes better. Everything, you know, I did, it seemed to enjoy a little bit more. And then, you know, once I got through high school and into college, it became more of an everyday kind of thing. Um, Michigan didn't look like it had any chance of it being, you know, uh, a path to a career. Um, so, you know, I went to school for uh, food marketing and consumer packaged goods, uh, started a career at Pepsi right around the same time, Michigan allowed for a medical use license. I dabbled in growing a little bit while in college, it wasn't good or successful. I mean, it was just, you know, some, some kind of backyard stuff. And then once 08 happened and they said, Hey, here's a path forward. I jumped all in, um, me and a couple partners decided, Hey, let's see what we can do. Uh, we're super interested through a couple thousand bucks in a spare bedroom, just kept reading and reading and reading. Like a lot of the older guys, you know, I just dove two feet into, uh, you know, IC Mag read every forum and every thread of everything anyone would put out there. Um, started out popping some DJ Short Blueberry, um, some Northern Lights, some White Widow, uh, I think AK-47, those are the first four strains we we ran and things went really well. We, we started crushing, yields were good, quality was great, we were super happy with it. Um, and we kinda, you know, that, it was a side hustle for a while and the, the law started to shift and change. And I took kind of my expertise from the CPG marketing world, uh, went out west, talked to some dispensary owners and some shops about how they think about cannabis, how they think about, you know, building a great consumer experience for people in the stores and realized they didn't really, um, they weren't looking at the same lens, like a a large company would, they didn't have a lot of strategy. They just put stuff out and hoped it sold. So, you know, that seemed like a big opportunity to um, from the brand side help shops become legit. Um, also, at the same time, we started, you know, we built out a nice commercial, small commercial at the caregiver level, what we were allowed to do to kind of showcase our skills and our abilities. It was, you know, state of the art for, for what you could do at the time. Um, but also realized branding flower is really difficult. Uh, live resin had just started to become a thing. None of the equipment that they had manufactured could successfully make live resin uh so we you know uh one of my partners we thought let's we had a low temp dab and that was it we never looked back it was all that flavor and smell fresh on the plant that we could smoke continuously and then we immediately decided this is this is the future this is what we want to do this is our passion we started throwing all our flour at in building you know some live resin processing equipment uh, building it from scratch and kept fine tuning and fine tuning and working with all the different variables to get the coldest, you know, best product out in the market. Um, you know, and that was it. We, we founded element, um, that was based, really the, the kind of the fundamental piece of that was transparency and doing small batches and testing every batch and communicating terpenes and communicating residual solvents and everything that mattered to everybody at the time. Um, because we didn't trust the people that were, you know, they were going to do the right thing. And, um, you know, that's kind of how we started element that's uh, elements, the foundation for Lion Labs, which we're operating today, which is, you know, a, a small house of brands.
0: Yeah. And, and with element, I know that you guys, uh, you know, the, the goal with that is is to stay in the live resin. You mean, you know, I believe it's on your website and from our previous conversation, you know, free of distillate, no botanical terpenes or additives just staying true to the plant. What's kind of the the emphasis? I mean, I know you said was did that really start with just like your personal like consuming personally consuming with that style of product and being like yeah this is it or, or what was the commitment to to making that that live resin? Well, so part so so the goal was to create the best vape cart in the
1: world. We you know we tried other products; they were awful. Uh, distillate flavored carts were, were not our thing. Um, we knew there would be a way to get there. Uh, that hardware didn't exist at the time that really allowed us to have a type of viscosity that we could create that would work in a product. And, you know, to this day, I've got five, you know, five carts in my pocket right now that we're continually trying to drive the hardware piece on. Um, but, the, you know, the, the unique thing that really put us on the map and this was in search of trying to make the greatest uh, cart um, and concentrates, we you know inadvertently developed a method that allowed us to separate THCA from the cannabinoids at scale in a way that no one was doing at the time or thought possible. Um, you know, and so a buddy was vending at a cannabis cup and he thought, hey, look, you have this pile of crystal over here and this these buckets of sauce over here. Why don't you show everybody what this is about? And so we threw the THCA in the, the cup just because it looked cool. We didn't think anyone would ever want diamonds. We thought, what a useless pile of diamonds this is. Everybody wants these little jars of sauce over here. That's where all the flavor is. So... You know, we got third place in the cup, and then the whole High Times team came by, all the people that we'd grown up reading their articles, and um, they came over and were blown away, and said, so "We've never seen anything like this. This is amazing. It's ninety-eight percent or whatever THCA, and it still tastes true to the plant." And shit, you guys, you need to help with anything like hit the line. We're we're happy to be here for you if you're innovating and doing stuff like this. And then, you know, then. We entered the next cup and went third, third, second, the next cup, first, 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 first. I mean, we oh, shit, you know, we need to <laughs> jump into this. As Ray, at the same time, the laws were changing, kind of allowing for um, a, a path that we could exist in a market. And, you know, a lot of us, everyone in our company basically quit their day job, took a huge pay cut to come grind it out in cannabis and try to you know, get behind the passion that we had for the plant and for the concentrates. And, and that's really what, you know, helped us springboard into the market was staying true to the plants, staying true to, um, you know, the terpenes and, and never really letting our standards slide. Um, you know, no additives, no distillate ever for element, nothing like that. Um, it, and just getting that THCA isolate, which is a great product. We still sell one of the number one selling things we have today. And that helped us really develop the you know what we consider the next generation of cart which we've been pushing here you know from day one
0: yeah and you guys have pretty good market presence and sales volume when you look at like the category of of cartridges right like usually the stuff that you see kind of have the most presence or the most volume being that dissolute being that more value high thc low cost that's where out of the market no matter what state you're in goes, goes to but you guys seem to have like a really strong presence with a more premium level of product especially being in michigan where where you know it's not as mature i know you guys have had a, a caregivers program for a while but as far as adult use it's pretty it's it's not as mature as some of these other markets that you guys have been able to build that out with like a premium product that usually takes a little bit of consumer maturity to get to was that something you feel like that early on people just adapted to? And do you think it is kind of to the the quality, the testament to the quality you guys put out, or is it that ability to kind of do quality at scale and still get it to the consumer at a, at a, at a decent price? Well, I think it's all that. So when you looked at like the Michigan caregiver model, you know,
1: um, it started in 08, obviously people were growing and making products before then, but, um, no one went crazy. Like in California, nobody had the balls to go blow out a 20 or 30,000 square foot processing center and hit every store and really, you know, go nuts with it. Um, So it forced everyone to be small and crafty and drive quality, you know, Michigan, I think from, from the West coast perspective is, you know, we get a lot of shit from those guys for, you know, being Midwest and not being, you know, part of the original OG group that started doing this stuff. But, because we were in this unique situation where you had a hundred small craft guys trying to make a name for themselves. It allowed everyone to really make great products and to focus on quality not just bang it out. Cause the there wasn't an option to go sell 20,000, 30,000 grams a week. It was all small craft stuff. So, you know, that helped um, us build a small base. When we started, we only, we only by design wanted to be in four or five stores, one in each market to help, see what kind of products we want to do. When we, when we knew that we were going to enter into licensing, we wanted all the bugs and kinks worked out. So we didn't stumble out of the gate. So we had all our processes down. We knew how to scale up. So that was you know, kind of the, the trend that we went, but we were able to get equipment out there that was big enough that we could run 5, 10, 20 times more than we were running and colder and better and faster. So the scale up on the concentrate end for us was easy. Um, actually, you know, moving from smaller systems that were more restrictive to like large busy bees allowed us to control all the temps at any any point we want and go as low as we want and have total control and be much faster. So that part was really actually easy for us. But the reason I think we've been able to remain, you know, the number one selling live resident in Michigan significantly is because we really hold standards to a high degree. We guarantee everything. So if you have a bad experience, we got you. We're not going to let you have a bad experience we want everything to be great most likely if you didn't like something it's just because that cultivar wasn't wasn't for you it's not because it you know what the principles of of being true to the plant true to the strain high terpenes um you know are, are, are the linchpins of what we do and the reason i think we're able to maintain that is everyone nothing goes out of here that three or four you know owners in the company didn't touch and we all stand around every, every pour and go, yeah, this is, this is good. Try it make sure it, it you know, there's nothing funky going on. Is it true to string? Did it come out great? be proud of it. Then it goes. If not, honestly, we usually sell it to another processor that slaps their name on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the, the good old smell test that won't fail you in uh in cannabis. And uh, I like that. And, and, you know, with that, right. Like of, of being able to put out a quality product, right. Like in, in that, In the consumer demographic like we said a lot of people kind of look to high thc low cost what is what is that separation in your mind between cheap and quality and kind of the the correlation between the two can quality be cheap is quality always going to be a little bit more expensive or or what's that look like from your perspective?
1: i mean for me i think a lot of it's the experience i think you know if you smoke a distillate cart there's really no variation between any of the large brands of distillate distillates distillate you're going to have the same effect up and down, you know, across the board. I think it's it's really where that user group breaks off. The more experienced user, um, the connoisseur, really is going to gravitate towards you know getting a full spectrum of, uh, effect. If they love a certain strain, they can find that in a cartridge and it'll have the similar effect for them. And I think that's most of what our consumers are looking for. They want it to slap. They want high terps. They want to taste the flower. Um, you know, and that's where it's all about. You know, one of our biggest concerns, you know, globally for for cannabis in general is that a lot of newcomers coming into the plant, their first experiences are going to be some bubblegum tasting vape product. And then that's what they're going to know cannabis to be. Or it tastes like fruit punch or it tastes like this other bullshit. And, you know, that's bad for all of us that care about the plant, you know, because I'm from the Midwest. Um, and have been smoking for 25 years. I grew up with Michigan brickweed where I was picking stems and stones out of it. And then we had, you know, beasters, which were better, but not great. And it wasn't until, you know, 98, 99, 2000, that chronic started rolling around. And we were happy to throw 60 bucks an eighth of the dude down the street that, that could get that and stick it to the wall. And had and that, and that changed everything for us. And we were able to you know brag about how sticky it was and how much it stank and it stuck your whole house up and you had to you know that changed everything for everyone here but i went through that transition so i appreciate it i, I appreciate the flower I, I know you know i hunted for hazes and for different types of plant and i our, i think our biggest risk is that people coming in won't have that they won't appreciate the flower sometimes we'll have people call and say this doesn't taste like this says tangerine this doesn't taste like clementines or tangy or anything this you know, my can tangy carts, I'm used to smoking slap me with oranges. And it's like, well, it does taste like oranges, but but the flour tastes like not like an actual high C. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those are really the only negative complaints that we get are people that don't like flour, don't like certain certain products. And um, the only big, only real big issue, I think economically is when the distillate products get so cheap and you can get 15 or 20 for $100. And the more premium live resins and rosins are still you know 35 to 50 for a gram or a half gram that's where that big delta starts to kind of hurt the the higher end market because it's just so much for so so big a value and the market here is crashing um yeah you know but but you know we're gonna see i think a lot of those guys just wash right out and another year or 2 it let's just stabilize and well i think we'll see a lot of people long term will, will be looking for higher quality products
0: yeah, you can, and uh, you know, I, I always liken the the cheap price to like, I don't know, the better looking person or the more the person with more money. There's always going to be someone more. There's always going to be, you know, it's hard to win. At, hey, I'm the cheapest. Eventually, someone can deliver it for cheaper than you, and you you might have already stretched you know, shown your cards and stretch your margins to to the max. And the way to build, you know, whether it's in in cannabis or you know vape carts or whatever, it's it's building a brand that people want. And whether it's a budget friendly brand, a super high end or somewhere in the middle right it's it's delivering on something that people can connect with more than just price because if price is your only value proposition you, you know someone can always beat you on that
1: yeah and that's not the consumer you want as a brand you don't want to be the cheap guy because the consumer is just shopping on price the second somebody else drops a price you're just going to move over there so you know for us it's all about quality and consistency
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, part of that, right, like even on that, the dissolute, right, people are flooding the market with with cheaper product and people don't know, you know, one of the the conversations that's happened, you know, is CRC, right? Like is this, this additive that gets added to, to concentrates that, you know, whatever reason helps them look better than it actually is or gives it, the, I guess, the desired color. I won't say look better, but gives sure. it the desired color that you want that it didn't naturally come out. Um, you know, we're seeing people, I live in Washington where it's been around for a while. And obviously, you know, like I said, high THC, low price that moves a lot of the market in the concentrate game. We see quite a bit of CRC. Some people talk out about it. People are starting to learn, learn about it, but then even the the, the average consumer is now hearing about it, but doesn't really know, like, is that immediately bad? Is it immediately good? What's kind of your take on, on CRC and like, is it good? Is it bad? Is it a health risk? Is it, Fine. What what what's your kind of thoughts on that?
1: I mean, if done properly, I don't really see it being a health risk, right? Unless you're getting um, if the media is staying in the the column, I I don't really see what could be bad from it or unhealthy if done properly. Uh, it's not a product for me. We've we tried it as soon as it became popular a million a million different ways. Um, we couldn't really put anything in the market because none of it coming out of the uh, you know out of the columns smelled or taste like the, color, the the strain was supposed to, right? They all have this awful lemon smell and taste, smells like lemon cleaner or lemon Sprite. And, uh, you know, we're out. It doesn't match, you know, the, the plant, then I, I, we can't put it in our jar. Uh, and it's really, you know, the whole, using color to determine quality is, you know, something I think that hurts, right? Mm. Um, we can put out some high terpene cured resin that is just as fire as anything else in the market it might be darker. maybe it came from outdoor it doesn't mean it's not of excellent quality if there's high terpenes and it, it slaps uh, but the consumer who you know can't tell the difference or maybe not be that educated on a brand that consistently putting out quality has only that to look at especially nowadays in dispensaries where they can't open the jars they can't smell the product they don't know that it's super loud they don't really understand terpenes they're just going on color what they read on Reddit or Instagram and they see something that looks like rosin and go, oh, that that must be better because lighter's better. In reality, it's not, but as a consumer, I think it's they're, they're tricked a lot of times or are uh, unwilling to roll the dice to try something darker if they are under the impression that lighter is better. It's like when, you know, back in the day they used to pull rosin early, a few weeks early so it would have better color. That blew my mind when we started seeing guys do that because a lot of those trichomes and terps haven't finished yet, but the but the color's better. It's like, well, the flavor's not there though. You're killing me, right? So, so that's, you know, I, uh, I, we don't see RC. We actually put a no CRC label on all of our concentrate jars and our cart. So people know that we're not doing that. Uh, so they're not, you know, there's, there's no confusion there. Um, I'm not gonna say it's bad for people because it's done right, it's fine. I understand you know, the group of people in the industry that think that fractionating out these things out and accounting for for 100% of all cannabinoids and terpenes is is the goal, but we're still missing a lot of esters and flavonoids and other parts that aren't quantified. And we don't know that those aren't existing and those aren't being removed during the process.
0: And so for, for you, someone that's obviously like on the high end of just understanding concentrates in general, um and, and putting that taste and like you said the true to the flower kind of at the forefront not only the products you make but you even as a, as a preference consumer preference when you look at products like based on color can you almost tell like do you use kind of color as a judge of quality or li- look at something and be like i bet that's gonna slap or or is it not hold as much weight as one would think it doesn't for me for me it's more about the brand that i'm looking at you know if it's a brand that i know that
1: it, it is consistently putting out good quality and Um, for me, that that's what I look to first, because like I said, like I uh, I will smoke some stuff that looks purple or dark and it may be better than everything else Mm. in the pile for whatever reason. It just had darker terpenes that came through a little bit darker or darker, you know, uh, trichomes. Um, so yeah, we don't, we don't, I, I personally don't use color as a judge. I'm using mostly the, I'm going to the brand first and then, you know, looking at, terpenes or the profile hopefully they're communicating the the percentage of terpenes or the consistency before before i make a decision and we try everything out by everybody so
0: yeah yeah you got to stay up there up on the market and i'm not as big of a dabber personally I'm, i'm a flower guy but there definitely is like living in a market where you can't open a jar there's stuff that looks outstanding and then you open it and you're like this shit smells like hay or like just not right you know or maybe you crack it open there's a little bit of even mold up in there occasionally yeah. you know that's hiding right. inside of a big dense nug and so you know looks can be to see and on the off hand i've had some you know like a lot of og kush right like is a strain that does not look visually it does not look great it's usually not frosty it can almost i see a lot of it get dyed on like almost yellowish like not an attractive color doesn't look frosty but it'll knock you on your ass more than a a purple punch that looks like covered in fucking trichomes right, right. like it's it, you can't always judge off off of off of the look so that's why i like what you said about concentrates earlier is like the the nose the nose is going to show you more than anything else oh yeah for sure like like almost everything else like you you know you can
1: compare you can compare concentrates to almost any other defined wines or to alcohol suburban so you know like a, if it's not there in your nose it's probably not going to be there in your
0: mouth either and, and you know, rosin has been a category that's been increasing in popularity. People have been able to produce it at scale, so the price is coming down. You know, it first came out, obviously, the price was so high. It was just not a lot of people were going to that. We're, we're getting it down a little bit. What's your take on rosin? Like some people think, like oh, I squish it, and it's true. You know, I'm just squishing flour, and it that means it's uh, again back to the healthier, right? Like they mean they think it's healthier than uh, a concentrate that might have used, you know, some sort of extraction or, or a different extraction method because you're still extracting it through rosin. What well, what's kind of your take on that? Is rosin a is a healthier choice, or or is there not much difference there?
1: It's hard to say if it's healthier or not. Right. I think people want to say it's healthier because uh, you're not using hydrocarbons and there, there probably are no residual hydrocarbons. If you didn't use them, um, you know, I think there's also a likelihood that you could have more plant material that you could say is carcinogenic uh, as well. If you wanted to compare apples to apples, that's the downsides of rosin is there will be a little bit more plant material typically than you would find from a hydrocarbon extraction. So uh, health wise, I think they're both, you know, pretty similar. Um, I think, you know, we are making rosin. We'll roll rosin carts out relatively soon. We've been a little slower to uh, get to the market with it because we have uh, really unique ways that we process our live resin in our carts and uh, post-processing that we know are proprietary and unique to what we do that kind of gives us what we think is a somewhat of an edge getting higher terps and a little bit more uh, closer tied to the actual plant and profiles. Um, and we wanted to be able to, when we came out with rosin, still hit really high terp levels and fine tune the back end process. And we're, we've been at, we've really been struggling to get hardware that we can say we're proud of the product that we're putting it in. Um, a lot of times, you know, we'll see a lot of our competitors put stuff out there and we'll go buy them all and try them and say like, these aren't, these aren't good. We could never do this. I know this oil tastes better by itself. I just dabbed it, but you know, I'm sure there's monetary reasons and economic reasons that they're pushing these things. Um, so, You know a lot of the times to be honest when i do try rosin um i'll dab it and then think man that would have been better if it was a live resin probably um you know it didn't slap quite there you can usually taste that there is a rosin there and and under you know we also understand that that's what people are looking for Mm -hmm. there is somewhat of a rosin taste or a hash taste to it and people like that um and it is a little bit more labor intensive and there's more work and definitely Pheno hunting is the name of the game there. Mm -hmm. There's stuff that dumps and comes out as beautiful rosin, and there's a lot that don't, and that are poor yielders and just don't work. So I think long-term, when you fast forward 10 years, uh, if there hasn't been some new innovation in concentrates that's better than rosin and live resin, I think there'll be a home uh, for both, that some cultivars and strains will really shine as as a hash or a rosin, and some that are better off served as a live resin, you know, uh, for me, it's most likely going to be a uh, really high-turp live resin that's super loud. I haven't found that in too many resins, but, you know, I guess time will tell.
0: Yeah. And and, and on that, you know, on the, on that topic of, of R&D, right, for you guys, what went into, I know you said before you kind of got to this adult use, mark, you know, the recreational market, you guys had already kind of had some time to, to get some of the processes and understanding down. What's the R&D look like for, you know, one, finding the right strain to, to extract, to get not just, I mean, obviously you have to take into account yield from a business perspective, but also the the terpenes and the flavors. And then also the R&D of like, originally when you guys were getting started, making sure that live resin worked in a cart. Cause I know distillate was somewhat established. And then just from a consumer, I could tell some people struggled with live resin. Cause you'd see a lot of stuff crystallize in the cart and yeah. not burn right. What what was that process for you guys on on both of the, the R&D on the plant and the extraction and, and the hardware side? So on the plant piece, a lot of it was really hitting the books, right? Um, we don't really believe in bro science.
1: We don't follow it. I don't care what your opinion is on Instagram or Reddit or ICMAG about how this works. We're, we have PhDs on our team that we rely on. We also have a university partnership with Lake Superior State University who has a DEA license and we are doing R&D with right now to help push the entire industry forward. Um, you know, Quantifying what's remaining in concentrates of unknown origin, uh, testing for flavonoids, testing for esters, testing for all the unknowns, and quantifying those. Uh, obviously, you know if you wanted to put all the terpenes that you found in this plant back into a distillate, it should taste like the flower, right? And we know that's not true. So, from the R and D end, it's um, you know understanding hydro- in, uh, the science really of pulling everything, all the essence out of the plant. Um, and we spend a lot of time, you know, hitting the books and understanding how to extract and what hydrocarbons do and understanding the polarity and what's going to work and what's not going to work, um, for how we process and then how we post process as well. The other piece is, is, strain selection is important for us. We're, we really never want to sell stuff that just tastes like generic weed. Hmm. We want, um, you know, robust, distinctive flavor profiles where if you grab a cart, you're like, oh yeah. That's super lemon haze, that's blueberry. This is a tangy. This is, you know, this is super gassy. This is super GMO. Like I, it should slap you in the face and be distinctive across the board. And that's tricky, right? Because just because the the, the plant uh, smells like that in the vine doesn't always mean that it's gonna, it's gonna wash out that way in, in a rosin or a live resin. So, you know, we do a lot of small test runs We'll wash stuff both in hydrocarbon and rosin, compare them, run the terpene numbers, run the cannabinoid numbers, and then you know make sure it's something that's going to be viable. We got to have high terpenes, really, so that we can manipulate things the way we want to. Um, and then the cartridge stuff, it, it seems like just now, I don't know if our company's just getting big enough that all the manufacturers are willing to really work with us and tweak all the hardware, or if, or if they're just also maturing right along with the industry and realize that... If they want the business that they can't keep selling you know um nicotine based vape quality products and think that we're gonna um purchase them and use them in our products so we test and try every pod and every card from every manufacturer We, we can't imagine there's one left out there that we haven't tested and tried and then still once we find one or two that we feel good about that work we go back to them and say okay can we modify the aperture hole can we adjust the resistance like what else can we do here uh can we get the voltages down what batteries are we using it's a it's a lot of that back and forth and over and over and over again and that's uh we rely on our senior team here who are all just the snobbiest we people you could imagine to go home most nights and compare these two cars to the same oil in it compare these three pods to the same oil in it what voltage works best how'd you like it at 1.6 how about 1.9 how about 2.4 it's it's that every night
0: Nerd, nerding out to get it right, man. I I I like that, and I'm I'm sure it pays off. Um, on, on the conversation of strains, what are some of the things that are unique, whether it's unique or not? But what are, what are some of the most popular strains right now, whether it's flour or in, in the 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 vape and concentrate realm in the in the Michigan market? What are what are the strains that people are really catering towards?
1: I mean, GMO is a big Michigan one, right? I think uh, whenever we travel out west, we get that a lot. Where people go, oh, what's that gross nasty garlic shit that you guys like there? uh so gmo is a big staple even though it's kind of a commercial thing uh everyone's crossed it 10 different ways and so there there are a lot of really unique like real funky um kind of cuts coming off of that so you know those are always popular but you know it, it's such a strong smell uh that if we're gonna put out there it's got a slap hard. if you open the ovens up the whole property needs to reek like it um you know and then a lot of the exotic stuff is you know a lot of the fruity flavors are always really popular people love you know um something in the orange group tangy you know uh, clementines and um stuff like that uh we all we, we kind of lean a little into the the grapes and the strawberries and the oranges um and then we try to balance that with some some gas um you know for us that we want to try to maintain a, a, a good clip of different profiles. So um, that's what we see doing the best. And then I, I think in the near future, we're trying to bring a bunch of the old the old ship back, hmm. you know, the stuff that's missing from the market right now that we're going to start trying to put out there in uh, a, a bigger way are going to be the hazes. Um, you know, I guess that's probably one of the upsides of the market compressing and a lot of people growing are you know, those things that people didn't grow because they were eight, nine, 10, 11 week strains. Well, would you rather sell something or not sell it? So mm-hmm. I think that the likelihood that we can get a lot of our grow partners to grow hazes because um, we love them personally and no one has them. Um, I think we'll see some more land races. We're bringing back like some OG Tangi, some hazes, some Jack Herrera stuff like that, that we started growing that we're going to, we've kept, petuli in some of our nurseries that we're giving out to our, our cultivation partners to grow for us. And then uh, we got one of our big cultivation partners is rolling out just a lot of the exotic stuff and small batches that we'll start doing little small batches of some, some wild new stuff from the west coast.
0: What's been your personal favorite, you know, strain of the year 2022? What's been the, the thing that you're going to the most or just been the loudest for you?
1: Um, I think, you know, for me, the, the best strain this year uh, is lunar lemon. We won uh, best infused pre-roll number one, uh, the cannabis cup. We won it with live resin as well. The cart was equally as good and probably should have won. It's a it's a beautiful mix, uh, basically like a lemon peel and a moonbow. So it's mm. it's super lemony with a nice floral back, mm. um, and that's been our favorite uh, this year for sure.
0: Yeah, I guess should
1: some. be back in back in in stock here in I think the end of the month, and we we can't wait.
0: That's nice. I got I got some Moonball from the art archive shop in Portland. I picked up the other day, right in the drawer over here to my yep. my uh, left. Man, really, I really like that strain. Yeah.
1: So one of our big cultivation partners is running all archive. Fletch is building a
0: lab right down the street. Yeah. Yeah. They 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 do it right. They do it right. What what else does Element and, and Line Labs have uh, up your guys' sleeve for twenty twenty two?
1: Uh. So yeah. So Element's, you know, kind of our workhorse and our obviously, you know, our our house favorite because we all love concentrates and smoking, but line labs has two other brands that we hold pretty close. One's called rise and it's a wellness focused brand that makes uh, a custom cannabis platform. So we sell um, tinctures, lotions, a lotion will drop fairly soon. It's a, it's a great lotion. Uh, But the bulk of it are uh, medicinal tablets so a thca a thc a cbd a cbg a cbn and it's a custom cannabis platform they're all to 10 milligrams and you can mix and match because we all need to titrate differently because we have different metabolisms you can buy two or three bottles and build whatever ratios work best for you so um that's a really great product it sells really well we dominate that category with like a 70 or 80 share uh capsule tablets because it's a uh, we price it low we price, you know it, it, it's it's wellness focused we're not trying to you know pillage on it, we want at people to have access to this and to do really well, uh, we also came up with a live resin infused um, RSO that won cannabis cup for that, that category this year as well, so for rise. Um, you know it, it's been a great year and uh, we're really proud of the products are putting out and there's a really great uh, topical that we'll be putting out later this year that's dry to the touch and doesn't have a smell so for. Uh, it, it, you know it, it's not a all natural balmy hmm. type of um, product. It's a, a high-end pharmaceutical type uh, uh, makeup type product where after you apply it, you'll be able to touch it and they'll be dry. So it won't tug on your shirt. It won't be sticky and you won't smell. So those, hmm. you know, we, we talk to a lot of people that use topicals. It's a lot of older people, a lot of professionals that have issues. And the biggest complaint we hear is, well, I love it. It works really well, but I can't take it to work. I'm a teacher. I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor. If I stink like weed all day and tugging on my shirt, it's just not for me. So we're hoping to solve that problem with our, with our, um, our topical. Our other brand is Dream, uh, Dream Edibles. And uh, that's probably our biggest launch of the year. We're putting out a, a product called Pot Dots mm. and Pot Dots is a candy coated um, chocolate similar to an M&M. Uh, they're they're micro dosed at one milligram a piece. And those are dropping in two weeks. Uh, so it's got great branding, great packaging. But on top of that, it's, you know, it should be the most um, useful edible in the market because they're one milligram, a hundred pack will have a hundred milligrams in it and a hundred pot dots in it. So for, you know, when we, when we, when you think about an edible consumer, almost everyone has a personal story of how they either don't like edibles or they overdid it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we say, well, but Hey, we have a one milligram micro edible. What's your number? What's the number that's perfect for you? Because there's a number for everyone. It could be three. It could be 250. Now you have uh, the means to to get there in a really controlled way without overdoing it, um, with you know a, a comparable product to the number one candy in America, and it also allows the user to snack. Mm-hmm. You know that's also something that you know we, we do a, a line of really high end caramels. And people like them and they were dosed at 24 milligrams a piece for a long time. And that's kind of the the sweet spot, I think, for a, a lot of edible consumers, but they'd want more, Yeah, 25 or six of these, or, you know, you get a thousand milligram gummy bear and it's like, you're just licking the toe of it to get get the effect. So it's really hard to titrate and to dose that. So, uh, we feel really bullish about it. We use amazing high quality Belgian chocolate or Swiss chocolate that we've, you know, we, we brought in and, um, it, they're, they're coming out perfect. They're all dialed right in just, you know, a few hundreds off of a, a milligram up or down. So, uh, we expect it to do phenomenal and, you know, be a disruptor
0: yeah you guys look with both of those product lines look to be solving some of the issues because that's definitely you know edibles and the snacking you know people get in trouble with that get a little bit more high than than they like or you have to then buy your your regular candy and your weed candy and then you know make sure you're grabbing from the right one as you're sitting at your desk and and i like the the topical idea too because i definitely associate with that i've had chronic pain for a long time although i'm a heavy flour consumer i love the ball i like found a lot of topicals i like but it's definitely like at home and i throw on like a crappy t-shirt cuz it's just going to get super oily and I, rem- I remember one time actually i was in vegas for mj bizcon someone gave me a uh, gave me a sample of a product i already knew but it reeks like ben gay and we had like walked the floor all day and i just coated my knees with it and went down to the casino table and everybody was just like who smells like Ben? (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. And I was like, Oh, that's me, man. That's me. But I feel some I I don't feel any shame for blowing up the spot right now because my knees feel
1: great. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, so hopefully that solves that problem. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of how we look at a lot of uh, innovation for products. You know, we look at the traditional market and say what works here? Why isn't it being done in cannabis? Usually it's because it's difficult to do, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and unfortunate for us. Uh, you know, we're consumers of everything we make and we have a really high standard that we hold. And so, you know, our, our live resin joints are half live resin, half premium flour. Mm. Um, that's a really difficult process. Yeah. It's really hard to infuse that consistently and have it work and have the consumer have a good experience with it. And that was our goal. We made it. We're going to make the best pre-roll ever. Um, and we worked on it for, you know, probably five or six months until we felt that it was actually almost a year until we felt it's ready for market and we still had to tweak it a little, um, you know, but it's painstaking and it takes us forever to fill it, you know, just like the the candy coated, you know, mm-hmm. chocolates. That it's been a thing for three years. It's mm-hmm. millions of dollars, a year of lead time for custom equipment from Germany. It's it's not something you can just jump into. There's no one making you can't buy this equipment on a small scale. It's the same stuff that Mars uses. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is a big capex and a a whole lot of work. And we'll see here in a couple of weeks if it was all worth it. I think it will be, but, um, you know, nothing we do here is easy or or cut and dry and requires a lot of backend R&D and then faith in the team to be able to go out there and execute it over and over again at a high level
0: awesome man yeah well I, I look forward to michigan's one of the markets i have yet to personally get out to so i gotta get out there try some of these things i'll, I'll wait a little bit till some of these new things hit the market man and, and make sure i can yeah. come out there and uh, and sample some stuff You're always welcome yeah we got a great facility let me have you out here to come check it out awesome well i appreciate you for hopping on here Ryan. Is anything you want the the people to know i know for anyone looking for more information dot com and then element extractions.com but is there anything else you want to plug before i get you up out of here
1: yeah, I mean, hit our instagrams um you know we got deleted obviously that happens to everybody and it's a big pain in the ass um you know so my advice to everyone is to seek quality you know hmm. get to know some brands uh one thing i think that's you know somewhat hurtful in the community is that it's like the 90s rap game everyone this is my concentrate brand and everything else sucks compared to it like there are there are a lot of folks that do Great work. And you can like two or three or four great brands that consistently put out good quality. Some might be better in rosins, might be better in live resins, might be better in pre rolls. Like, enjoy it. Don't hate everybody else out there. You know, lift up the other people that are doing a good job. We respect everyone that came before us. We respect all the people around us that are doing great work and are happy to help them out and lift them up and, you know, do what we can to help other people
0: man's man, is preaching gospel man well this is the north america weed tour we are looking at the best in legal cannabis i got linked up with these guys cuz a lot of people in their market put put a lot of respect on their name so thank you ryan again for hopping on here
1: yeah thanks um, for having me
0: and for everyone tuning in we got another episode we're running later today and then we'll be back next week with more content on the north america weed tour